one of the things I'm going to really focus on today is walking in healing and victory, not just because uh, it's a good message, but because it goes with the assembly. It goes with, it's one of the benefits of assembling together. I want to read our text from last week, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. You ready? Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. What a good text. I hope you had some time to dive into that this week, but what we pulled out of this one short text, these three verses last week, was three benefits of assembling together. Uh, There's people out there, there's believers that have this misunderstanding that we go to church simply because Christians go to church. Or if we go to church, God is happy with us. If we miss church, he's not happy with us. If we're honest, at least at one point in all of our lives, we've probably all at least fought that thought. I didn't grow up with my parents telling me that you have to go to church to make God happy or you have to be good to make God happy. And I still battled that thought over the years that if I didn't do something right, if I didn't pay attention, if I didn't take notes really good when my youth leader was talking, that for some reason God wasn't as pleased with me that week as he was the week before. But man, how many of you know if God based anything on our actions, we'd all be in trouble, right? Thank you, Jesus, that he came, lived for us a perfect life, took a punishment, a sinner's punishment upon himself so that now when God looks at us, I heard someone explain this this way when I was younger and it just made it so real to me. He said, you know, the ozone layer around the earth, imagine this ozone layer made of the blood of Jesus. And that's the way God looks at us. He looks at us through the blood of Jesus and he loves you and he is pleased with you on your best day and he loves you and he's pleased with you on your worst day. Does that mean he's happy that you've made bad decisions? No, but it means he views you through the blood of Jesus. And just like he looked at Jesus and said, well done, my good and faithful servant, he looks at you, he's pleased. And when we can get a revelation of that, I'm telling you, your actions and the things you do, the negative things, the bad things, man, those things start to fall away as you get a revelation of just how much God loves you and how pleased he is with you. He's pleased with you because you said yes to Jesus, and that is the bottom line. That's what the word says. These three things that we can pull from this verse, it doesn't say that assemble together to be right with God. It doesn't say assemble together to make God happy. It says assemble together and it's gonna benefit you. In fact, those three verses talk about three ways assembly benefits believers is it helps you to hold tight to your profession of faith without wavering. That is true All these years ago, when this was written 2,000 years ago, it is true today. If you think that it is harder today to hold on to your profession of faith than it was 2,000 years ago, then you don't really know what was happening 2,000 years ago when Paul wrote this. Maybe for holding tight to the profession of your faith right now, you might get some negative Facebook comments. You might get some emails. Some people might look at you wrong. Some people might call you a bigot this day and age for holding tight to your profession of faith. But 2,000 years ago, he was writing to the church saying, hold tight to your profession of your faith, even if that means they throw you into the pit with the lions, even if that means they put you in jail, even if it means the end of your life will be close at hand. Hold tight to your profession of your faith. How do you do it? Well, this whole text is about 
assembling together. You want to hold tight to the profession of your faith? Don't just white knuckle it and think you're going to be able to do it on your own. We need each other. These moments help us hold tight to the profession of our faith without wondering, without wavering Two, provoke each other to love and to good works. It encourages me. It encourages you in these moments. We're going to get to that even more here today. And three, that uh, not only will it provoke us to love and to good works, it will encourage us. Encouragement is a valuable, valuable thing. The opposite is discouragement. Discouragement means to remove courage from someone. But the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me and you as believers is an encourager. And that does the opposite. It means to put courage inside someone. Do you feel a lack of courage in your life? Man, make sure you're not forsaking this type of assembly and let us put courage into each other. Let somebody else put courage into you. That's what was happening when Austin said, man, pray and speak life to the person that was standing next to you. That was a great moment. I'm so glad Isaac was standing close to me. I, I, I spoke encouragement into his life, then he spoke back into my life. He put courage into me as he was praying for me. I don't want to take courage out of people. These moments like this, we encourage each other, provoke each other to love and good works, and it helps us hold tight to the profession of our faith. Three benefits of assembly that I don't know if you really had a revelation on it why you would ever stay away or why you would ever forsake the assembly. I understand there's lots of reasons. We talked about it a little bit last week. Um, so go back and, and listen if you want to get more into those three things. But no matter what's happened, no matter what's happened in your life, no matter if you've been hurt by somebody who is a part of the church or if you've been, uh, whatever it is you feel like, I want to encourage you, get through the tension, right? Tension on those guitar strings is what makes music come out of it, right? Get through the tension, work through it, and find a place, I hope it's here, where you can assemble with people and get encouraged. Hold tight to the profession of your faith and provoke each other to love. That's benefits of assembly. There's so many more, but that's three that we get just from that one text in Hebrews. So uh, it, there's something that happened. If you're in the read through the Bible doing that this year, I, I do it every year, but if you've stayed on track and you are up to the point this morning, you read about Josiah uh, being crowned king, and I guess tomorrow we'll read about Josiah if you're in, into that. But as you read through the Old Testament, especially once uh, they set up a temple. Once there's a temple in the desert that moves around with the children of Israel, once they establish a place of worship uh, in, in Israel and in Jerusalem, and, and they build the temple, it almost feels redundant how often somebody gets up in front of everybody else, the assembly, and says, don't forget that we have a God who brought us out of the land of Egypt. Don't forget he brought the plagues upon the, the nation of Egypt and set us free. Don't forget that when we were in the wilderness, he fed us with manna from heaven every day. Don't forget that he led us through the desert with a cloud by day and a fire by night. Don't forget when we complained and wanted meat, quail came out of everywhere. Don't forget, don't forget, it happens over and over and over. And sometimes you catch yourself reading these texts and then realizing you haven't even concentrated on the thing you've been reading because your mind started wondering, man, not this again. But let me tell you, it is so important. When the children of Israel remembered God, when they remembered and worshiped him 
as the Lord of all, man, you can read time after time where he fought their battles. Sometimes before they even picked up a sword, there'd be confusion in the enemy's camp and they would turn on each other. When they remembered the Lord, even if there was a famine in the land, they were taken care of and they had food. Even when those nations around them were suffering, they were prospering when they remembered the Lord. But when they didn't, man, destruction came around every turn, right? And in the Old Testament, one of the things you'll read is this was a wicked king. He, he built up a share of holes and worshiped Baal, and the Lord removed his spirit from that place for a while, for a time, until another righteous king would rise up. Now, as a New Testament believer, we have a promise that Jesus said, on your worst day, I will never remove my spirit from you. And that's something to be thankful about every day as a believer, no matter what. I'm so thankful because I'm telling you, I've had some bad days. I've made some major mistakes. I never have to worry that he's going to remove his spirit from me. However, like the children of Israel, I got a choice every day to remember God, remember who he is, and walk in the benefits of knowing I have a God on my side who won't leave me. Because when I filter all of my decisions, when I filter my day-to-day through the revelation that I have God on my side and that he's already won, like we sang in that song, that the work is completed, he said it is finished, he's already won. When I remember that, it changes the way I walk around. It changes the decisions I'm going to make. I'm not going to make this decision based on fear of lack. I'm going to make a decision based on that I'm blessed according to his promises. I'm not going to make a decision based on fear of failure. I'm going to make a decision based on the fact that if I make a mistake and fail at something, I have a God who's with me in the valley of the shadow. I have a God who doesn't leave me and can course correct my mistakes and work it for my good. Romans 8, 28. That's crazy. Have you ever made a big mistake and thought to yourself, you know what? This is good. This is actually going to turn out better for me now that I've made this mistake because I believe the Bible. Romans 8, 28. We talked about that a few months back. He makes all things work together for the good of those who are in Christ Jesus. Man, why not get encouraged when we make mistakes? In our weakness, he's strong. Is that right? Isn't that what the word says? In my weakness, he is strong. When Israel remembered this, they saw success. And I'm telling you, when we remember this, we see success. It's not because God is with us when we remember and he's not when we don't. It's because we make different decisions when we know he's with us and we make different decisions when we have forgotten that he is. It is in this assembly. And I think it's why it's so important that we're together once a week or even more. Because these are the times when I remember most that he is with me and that he doesn't forsake me. I remember it in the testimonies. I remember it when I look out in the congregation and I I see Mike, who really should have been dead a couple years ago when he had this massive heart attack, but he made it through and he's healthier than ever and he's getting stronger every day. I see that testimony and I remember, oh, that's right, God is with me. Even when my body decides to go crazy, I have a promise that he is with me and he's gonna save me, he's gonna get me through. I remember the testimony of my friend Tamara. We prayed right here and she had three discs in her back grow back 
So many times my back hurts and I'm here and I remember Tamara. I'm like, you know what? If you did it for Tamara, you did it for me. I'm believing that I don't have to walk in that. I don't have to have that. There's this great story. Uh, Hezekiah was a king in Israel and he was one of the kings after David that did what was good, pleasing in the sight of the Lord. He worshiped the Lord. He destroyed idols. He, he restored worship to this nation. Uh, really, it was, he was the king of Judah, actually. And he, he restored true worship to this nation. And good things happened while Hezekiah was king. However, he did not have a legacy mindset. In fact, he got a negative word from the prophet Isaiah about what was going to happen to Israel further down the line. And the Bible says he was relieved that it wasn't going to happen in his lifetime. So as good as Hezekiah was, he had a very right now kind of mentality, like as long as I'm taken care of, I'm good. He didn't really care about legacy so much. So you see it in his son's life. His son Manasseh was one of the worst kings Israel ever had. He actually put a, a pole they used, I don't know what it looked like, but to worship a false god, Baal, in the actual temple where they worshiped God. And it was bad. All kinds of destruction happened to Israel. And when he eventually died, this one of my favorite stories, an eight-year-old, his eight-year-old son named Josiah became king. He was eight years old. He became king. During his father's reign, though, which I forget the exact amount of years, but Manasseh was king for a while. I think it might have been 50 plus years. And uh, what was that? I heard someone say it. 55 years. 55 years he was king. So during this time, they didn't assemble. They didn't assemble to worship God. If there was an assembly, it was to worship false gods. They literally lost the book of the law. They couldn't find it. I don't even know if Josiah knew it existed. They didn't have the book of the law. They forsook the assembly and the entire nation began to worship false gods. Now, this is an important part I'm excited to get to. Uh, this was 300 years before Josiah was crowned king. This was written. This is from 1 Kings 13, verses 1 through 3. Are you ready for this? 300 years before Josiah was king, this was written down as a prophecy. And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David. Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priest of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. So I know that was King James language. And if you're reading this back to back, that happens only a few chapters before it talks about Josiah. But when you look at the timeline, 300 years before Josiah was born, this was prophecy, and it said somebody, a child born named Josiah, is going to restore true worship to the kingdom of Israel, so, or to the kingdom of Judah at this point. So this book of the law is lost, and one day, this is, sounds like a joke, but it was like spring cleaning. They were literally dusting the temple and cleaning stuff, and one of the priests finds this old dusty book under the table. You can read this in the, in the story of Josiah, which is in 2 Kings, I think like chapter 17 or something. And he finds a book 
and he dusted off. It's like that Bible that's on the shelf at your grandma's house that looks like she hasn't opened it in 35 years because it's got two inches of dust on top. And you're like, Grandma, do you even read the Bible? And she's like, yeah, I read it on my iPhone like everybody else. Duh, right? Y'all got some tech-savvy grandmas. I know you do. Well, this book had not been opened in years and years. And Josiah says to the priest, read it to me. And he opens it up and he reads the story of the God who led them out of the Egypt. He reads the story of the God that led them through the desert. He reads the story of the God that stuck with his people even when they rebelled in the desert and got them through to the promised land. He reads this story and Josiah is thinking, who is this God? This isn't somebody I've been introduced to. And then he gets to this that was written 300 years before and he hears the priest say his own name, that a boy named Josiah by name would be born and restore worship. And he rips his clothes in repentance and he does exactly what this says. He tears down the poles. He tears down the false idols. He restores worship to the kingdom and it was awesome. He calls an assembly of everybody in the kingdom together and they read this to everybody. And he says, remember, maybe some of you have heard about this. He was young. Maybe some of you have heard of this God, but it's time to remember that it's not Baal that got us out of Egypt. It's not these false gods that have ever done anything for us. It is the one God, it is Jehovah, it is Yahweh who brought us out of the land. It is Yahweh who gave us this kingdom. It's Yahweh who gives us success. And the people began to worship and it restored this order to the kingdom and brought success and prosperity back to a kingdom that because of his dad, had been going through life alone and without the Lord and without the presence of the Lord. He calls this assembly and it brings so much joy and celebration as they remembered the Lord together. And today, in this day and age, that's still what we do because so many people have short-term memory, right? I can have victory one week in a certain area, right? The Lord got me through it. There's some, some, some finances seemingly came out of nowhere. I was able to pay a bill. Well, how many of you have been there? The next time bills come about once a month, if you didn't know that. And then the next month it comes and you start to get a little bit nervous again. Oh my gosh, it's the first. You're telling me you don't remember 30 days ago when God got you through this and showed you how to pay this bill 30 days ago. And it's not just about finances. How many of you have experienced healing from a sickness, from an illness? It doesn't matter if it's a year later, two years later, or three months later, you start to feel a symptom, and all of a sudden, uh-oh, uh-oh, there's another symptom. Have you already forgotten the time you got healed? Have you already forgotten the word that says, by his stripes, we are healed? I don't know why, but as humans, we tend to focus on those negative things a little more than the positive things. I've told this story before. It's kind of funny. I like telling this, but, but Lisa and I are, are musicians and songwriters, and we've recorded albums, if you didn't know that. And we've sold, I think, like literally 10,000 plus CDs and albums over the years. We, even before streaming, we sold CDs. Those were actually things. You could hold them. You could put them in a CD player, and they'd make music. And it's different than streaming. We sold a lot, and I don't remember anybody's face, but this one time at this event, this lady came up to us. It was a three-day event, and on day three, she came up to me, and she gave me a stack of CDs of ours, and she said, I bought these two days ago, and I do not like them at all. I would like my money back. And I said, you want your money back? And she goes, yes. Uh, there was a cookout happening, and she says, I want to get a cheeseburger. I need some cash to do it, and this is just not music I consider good. 
so I need my money back. So I gave her her money back. She went and bought a cheeseburger, so that was very encouraging. But let me tell you, I can close my eyes and remember her face. I can't remember the 10,000 plus people that bought them and didn't return them. I remember her. I don't know why, but as humans, we tend to focus on the negative. Uh Uh-oh, a symptom. I remember that time I got so sick, I was down for two weeks. Not, ooh, a symptom. I remember that time by five o'clock, I was completely well because I believed and I walked in healing. Why do we focus on those negative things? I'm telling you, if it wasn't for this assembly, if it wasn't for you guys, if it wasn't for my family that encourages me in the word, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, the way my mind works in the natural would go straight to the negative every time. It is this assembly that encourages me and provokes me to remember the good things and be encouraged into those things rather than get lost in the negative or in the worry. Worry, which is just the opposite of hope. Hope, using your imagination to picture the best outcome, God's outcome. Worry, using your imagination to picture the negative thing, the wrong outcome. As believers, we're supposed to go towards hope, not towards worry. It's these moments that lead me towards hope over worry every time. I remember a couple years ago, uh, Lisa and I had two cars. We, we've never bought a new car. We, we're, we don't like debt. We're not big on debt. So we've always paid cash for used cars. And we had two of those used cars that were both reaching the end of their lifetime. And we knew it. It happened to be both of them at once. And we were in a church service and assembly at her dad's church. And Pastor Mon from Africa, he, he's has not been here in the last seven years, so a lot of you wouldn't know him, but hopefully we can have Pastor Mon here at FCG uh, before too long. He has a a big church in Nigeria, and he's a bishop. There's 300-plus churches that are underneath Pastor Mon that he oversees and pastors those pastors. And he he was here at uh, Lisa's parents' church a couple years back, and he was talking about the need for ministry and the need for churches that preach the word in Nigeria. And he said, I have 300 pastors under me, And most of them are now pastoring more than one church. They finish their service on Sunday morning, and then they have to get to the town next door and pastor that church that gets done around lunchtime. And then they have to get here, and they each could pastor even more churches. He wasn't trying to figure out how to, to like, save uh, energy. He was trying to figure out how to get these ministers to more churches that they could pastor. And he said, it's a long walk, and it's hot in Nigeria we're buying, we're trying to buy every one of my ministers, 300 plus pastors, a motorcycle. Uh, it was just, it was, it's a type of, it's like a motorcycle uh, moped hybrid, but basically they were about a thousand dollars. And he's like, I'm trying to get one for all 300 of our pastors. They can get to twice as many churches in one day because people are hungry for the word. And the Lord spoke to me, or actually he spoke to Lisa, spoke to me through Lisa. And sometimes the Lord's voice sounds a lot like Lisa's voice. It's usually... <laughs> It's usually her voice telling me this is the Lord and it's my voice on the inside. I'm having to say, all right, back down. In this particular case, I thought, boy, it'd be nice to be able to buy a motorcycle for one of these ministers. Too bad we have two cars right now that need to be replaced. We have to worry about our own transportation right now. And as I was completing that thought, fully happy in the thought that, you know what, we, we, we need our own car. Lisa looks at me and she goes, you know, we're going to buy at least one of those people motorcycles right now. Do you have the checkbook? That was a long time ago. There were CDs and there were checkbooks all around the same time in life, if you don't know about these things. And I said, yeah, I have the checkbook. And she goes, write a check, 
we're buying one of those. Immediately, I didn't just hear her say that. Immediately as she began to say that, I thought to myself, what was I thinking? I'm actually processing this thought. Lord, do you want me to give to one of these ministers through, do I personally have enough? No, when it comes time to give, it is this simple. I tell y'all all the time, ask the Lord. And if he says to give, it's a good idea to give. And if he says, put your bread on the table, it's a good time to put your bread on the table. In this particular case, he did not say, put your bread on the table. In fact, I didn't want to hear what he said. I was trying to, I was hoping I left my wallet at home. I was reaching in my back pocket thinking, well, I can't give. I don't have my wallet with me. I don't have a checkbook. But as soon as Lisa said it, man, I thought to myself, man, what am I thinking? I looked around that room and I saw Pastor Dean and I saw Lisa's parents. These are the biggest givers I've ever known in my life. My in-laws will stand in front of you and tell you that they have worked for Pastor Dean for 20 plus years and they still make the exact same thing that they made when he hired them in 1988. They've never gotten a raise. Well, maybe they've gotten one raise, but they've never gotten a big raise, yet they are the most blessed people I've ever seen in my life. They walk in wealth. They walk in wealth and it's not because they have big paychecks and it's not because they go around tricking people into giving them money. No, it's because they give. They give and these small salaries, the Lord has blessed them. My in-laws just paid cash for this amazing house in this amazing community on salaries that you would look at and think I wouldn't be able to feed my family of four for that. But it's not about what you make. It's about what God says to do with what you have. And it is in these moments, I remember that. And it was in that moment when I was thinking, well, we need new cars, so I'm going to withhold. That I heard my wife's voice. I looked around that room and I thought to myself, who am I to say I'm not going to do this because I need something? And we wrote that check. And I'm telling you, within a couple years, we had two cars that were given to us within a couple years. And then we gave one of those away. And we had another car that was given to us. And this isn't a story about how blessed we are. This is a story about listening to the Lord because of a moment like this where I was encouraged out of my own negative thoughts, when I was encouraged out of my own whatever it was and encouraged and provoked to good works. And it was a moment like this that made it happen. As we were singing this song today, Jehovah Rapha, this is a great segue into what I'm going to be doing this week and I'm pretty sure next Sunday as well, which is I want to talk about the names of God because each one of the names of God that are in the Bible will do nothing but encourage you. Because let me tell you, there's not one that's like God the destroyer, God the, God the killer, God the whatever. No, no, it's encouraging things like God our healer, God our provider, God, our righteousness. Ooh, man, this is so good. I'm telling you, if you've never been encouraged by the God who is on your side, if you've never felt encouraged into remembering who he is and who he is to you in every situation, this is my goal for the rest of today and next week, that in these assemblies today and next week, you will experience encouragement like never before knowing that you have the God on your side that is the God of every one of the situations, getting you to the best outcome, leading you into the best outcome. And usually it requires letting go of yourself a little bit and just saying yes to him, like when we gave to those ministers in Nigeria. 
But we sang this song today, Jehovah Rapha. I wasn't going to start with that one, but I think I will now just because we sang it. Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah is uh, derived from the word Yahweh, actually. I don't know if you knew that. Yahweh, if you take that word back down to the very beginning, uh, it actually is, is less of a word and more of just breath. Uh, the word Yahweh, uh, you would take out the vowels, and it, it's really the best way people figured out how to write down this idea of breathing in and then breathing out. So the name of God goes back to the idea of breathing, the breath that God breathed into at the time what was just clay that looked like a human. He breathed life into Adam and Adam came alive. He breathed himself into Adam. Well, over time, uh, they added vowels to that so they could use language, Yahweh. And then eventually in a translation, they added a J and some H's and some V's. And we get the word Jehovah. So God, he is God, the spirit, God. And then this word Rapha means our healer. And this was a word and is a word, Jehovah Rapha, that means God, our healer. And we sang it today. And it was so great. God, our healer. First Peter 2.24 says that by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. Isaiah 53.5 says he was pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. I already talked about healing testimonies. Man, sickness and disease comes against us in this life. Injury comes against us in this life. We are all in these mortal bodies that one day will be gone. But thank you, Jesus, we're not only these mortal bodies. There's a part of us on the inside that swallow all Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit. He is inside of us. And in him is all the healing that Jesus won for us. And as believers, it's our job to operate and walk in that healing. I love talking about healing in regards to salvation, right? I, I don't think there's any believers that would say, okay, it's my actions that get me saved. No, it's Jesus, right? I think every branch of Christianity says salvation definitely goes back to Jesus. It's not our good actions. If you want to take it back to any of our actions, it's believing. Once we believe in him, man, it is done deal. We are saved. Our spirit will live with the Lord forever. This body goes into the ground, but our spirit lives to forever. I love describing salvation like this. All that goodness that's in our spirit, the fruit of the spirit, you've heard this before, Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering. These are good things. Faithfulness, they're on the inside of you. That's part of your salvation. As a believer, the way I work out my salvation is not trying to get saved. I'm saved because of Jesus. The rest of my life is getting that good stuff on the inside of me, working on the outside, letting that salvation that's resident in me have an influence on this part of me that's on the outside. So that when I'm faced with temptation, I'm faced in, in a struggle, instead of looking at this temptation and thinking, well, what can I do? I'm only human and just jump right in. I'm looking at this temptation and I remember I am blood bought with a price. I didn't deserve it, but I am saved. I have a good father who loves me and who's carried me through all of these. And then I make a different choice based on that salvation I have rather than what I am in the world's eyes or what I am on my own. And healing is the same way. 
when those sicknesses come against us, when we start to experience symptoms, when we experience injury, when we experience trauma and there's residual effects in our mind, and I've seen people trapped in trauma and just crippled within their mind for years and years and years. And I'm not trying to make light of that because, man, there's people in this room that have been through some really horrible things. But I am saying this. We have a God who is Jehovah Rapha, our healer. And he paid the price for every ailment we'll ever experience in our body. And he paid the price for every ailment we'll ever experience in our mind. He paid the price for our healing of trauma. He paid the price for our healing of depression. He paid the price for our healing of whatever it is. He made us whole if we will walk in that wholeness. The very word salvation doesn't just mean going to heaven. The word salvation in the Greek is the word sozo, and it means health for our bodies, deliverance from our enemies, and salvation for our souls. It is a big word, and sometimes we just focus on one part. But I'm telling you, just like it's our job to let our salvation influence our actions, it's our job to let the truth of his word, that by his stripes we are healed, influence us on the outside. And I'm going to keep on saying this. It is in these moments of assembly when I remember that and I recall that and I realize I don't have to go through these things that I've been struggling with this week physically. And I say no and I reject them. And I hope that this is what encourages you to do that as well. And it's not about feeling guilty. Well, what's wrong with me if I'm going through this? There's nothing wrong with you, right? This isn't a condemnation thing where it's like, you don't have to go through this while are you know, we all go through it. These are our reminder moments that when something comes against us physically, mentally, emotionally, and it's taken away from our health, Jesus paid the price for this. He bought our healing with a price. And I don't want to reject it. I don't want to look at him and say, no, thank you, Jesus. I'll stop right here. And then if for some reason we never experience it in our bodies, I love that that song said, we are going to be healed. Whether it's now or whether it's in eternity, we are. We have a God that's so good. Even if for some reason we never walk in it here, one day we will be well. We will be in a place where there's no more sickness, no more disease, and we live the way we were supposed to live. The what Jesus paid the price for. He is Jehovah Rapha, our healer. Amen. Let's go over one more. Jehovah, this is a good one. It starts with a T, but it sounds like an S. Jehovah Sid Kanu. This means he is God, our righteousness. What does that mean? Here's the very simple thing. It's not my good works that makes me righteous. It's the works of Jesus. His righteousness is now applied to me. Do you know that? When that voice on the inside of you, whether it's yours or whether it's an enemy's voice saying you're no good, how could God be happy with you? Why do you think he... Why do, you, why do you think he hears you? Why do you think he's on your side? You've messed up. You need to remember, and hopefully today's your reminder. You can go home with this. You should say out loud, it's not about my good works that makes him happy. God is my righteousness. Jesus is my righteousness. He is Jehovah Sid Kanu, my righteousness. It's not based on my good works. It's based on the good work of Jesus. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. This, that, man, I hate when people quote this and stop there. The wages of sin is death, brother. Well, don't call me brother. 
if that's where you're stopping. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The free gift of God is eternal life. Please finish your sentence. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Do you know this verse? If you don't, you should write this on your arm. You should write it somewhere down on an index card where you'll see it. Put it, make it the home screen of your phone. If you like tattoos, tattoo it somewhere so that you will always remember that we are the righteousness of God through Christ. This translation, New Living, says we can be made right with God through Christ. It's saying the same thing, but I love, in this case, the King James language because it makes it plain, which is kind of rare for King James. But here's what it says, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So whether it's your voice, or whether it's the devil, whether it's somebody else saying you're not good enough, you're not worthy, you don't measure up. No, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I don't have to measure up on my own. I measure up in Christ. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, in order that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. You know that phrase that reigns on the just and the unjust? I don't know if it comes from this, but this is what Peter's saying. He died for the just and the unjust. You were one of the unjust before you said yes to Jesus. It's just a matter of who comes into agreement and believes in him. But when you do, you hear this nagging voice. You're not good enough. You've messed up again. Don't go to the Lord. Why would you pray? Why do you expect him to hear you? Remember this day, no, when I was in the assembly on Sunday, when I remembered that I am the righteousness of God, no matter if I've had a good day or a bad day or a good three months or a bad three months, whatever it is, I said yes to Jesus and I am the righteousness of God. If that doesn't encourage you right now, I don't know what's happening. And if it doesn't encourage you throughout the week, man, then you're not really dwelling on what that means. Because remember what it means. Look at it for yourself and remember that he is Jehovah Rapha, your healer. He is Jehovah Sid Canoe, your righteousness. And that's good news. And it's in these moments when we remember it. It's harder to remember this when you're at the nine to five. It's harder to remember this if you're a mom or a dad with small kids and, and the house is a mess and the kids are running wild and you're trying to figure out how you're gonna get them in bed and the house clean before you had to go to bed and get up for work the next day. It's hard sometimes to remember this when you're in the middle of a busy season. Maybe you've moved, you've had a life change. Whatever it is, remember how important these moments are because it's in these moments you put away everything else that's happened this week. It's these moments where there's not a TV distracting us right now. It's these moments where hopefully there's not a cell phone distracting us. It's in these moments when the kids are in children's church and we know they're safe and we know they're learning about the Lord and we can focus in this moment on who we are in Christ and leave here the rest of this week nothing but encouraged, provoked to good works and holding tight to the profession of our faith. Isn't that good news? Come on. I'm going to invite the band up as we close. 
I want us to close by, man, focusing on the Lord. A moment of worship, focusing on who he is. I believe the band's going to sing at least a chorus or so of that song again, Jehovah Rapha. And as we do this, man, I want you to just remember that this isn't just a, a, a word that doesn't really make much sense in our language, but this is about God, our healer. And if you're believing for something to be made right in your body or your mind, man, why not right now? Why not? I, I don't think you, it doesn't have to be a moment where like lightning falls from heaven and everybody, it, it doesn't have to be something like that. It doesn't have to be any way you've ever experienced it before. It can simply be in a moment, standing in worship, focusing on Jehovah Rapha, our healer. And I believe we can walk out of here physically healed in our bodies, with our minds working the best they've worked in a long time, completely well. Remember that he's your righteousness. And if you came in here feeling guilty for something, if you came in here feeling less than, as we sing this song, remember that it is his righteousness that God looks at and is pleased with, not our own. That's good news. That's good news. And as you leave here this week, just remember that it is in this assembly, the assembly of the saints, that as we choose to not forsake it, we operate in encouragement for ourselves and each other. And we can hold tight to our faith in an uncertain time in the world. We can hold tight to our faith. Amen. Let's stand together.